This is the What's Brewing Podcast, brought to you by Ronald Blue Trust. Wisdom for wealth, for life. Here's your host, the voice of the BJU Bruins, Johnny Gamut. What's up, Bruin Nation? Johnny Gamut on the What's Brewing Podcast, and uh, I've been really excited about this episode that we have today. Um, we have Coach Parker, who is our assistant athletic director, and uh, his daughter Callie and his wife Anna, uh, who are joining us today. And uh, for those of you that have followed our department and uh, and know about our department, this past summer was a um, just an incredibly trying experience for the Parker family, and um, uh, particularly with Callie and uh, some of, some medical issues that she went through. But the reason I wanted to bring them on is just again, you can't you can't listen to this story without seeing the grace and the goodness of God. And so uh, to the Parker family, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate uh, you telling the story. Thank you. So coach, I want to start with you and then we'll get to to Callie here in a second. Can you give us just kind of a, you know, this is, this was, I I still remember where I was when I got the text message. Um, But, but talk about the day leading up to when Callie's, when you started to notice things were, things were not right with Callie. Uh, I probably will need help um, from, from Anna on some of this. Um, I, I think it all kind of started on um, the, uh, the weekend of, uh, first weekend of June, uh, where she, uh, Callie had um, not been feeling well, and so uh, had taken her to uh, the doctor, and <clears throat> they had tested for strep, and had decided that's what it was, and had given her medication for that. And uh, so by that Thursday, uh, that first Thursday in June, she had not gotten any better. So uh, went back to the doctor, uh, remedicated, and uh, sent her home to uh, see if the medication would work. And so by that uh, weekend, uh, things were not better. Uh, in fact, they were beginning to get worse. And so on that Monday, which I believe was the 10th, um, things have, were not better, so we went back to the uh, doctor to test for what uh, we thought might have been mono. Mm-hmm. And of course, the mono test, the results uh, are 48 hours and coming back, so we really still didn't know mm-hmm. what was going on. Uh, so into Tuesday, the 11th, um, things were uh, for Cali were not getting better. They were actually uh, going downhill very quickly. And on the afternoon of the 11th, uh, she began to uh, show some uh, signs of something was going on far more than strep and or mono, which we found out later she actually had. And so uh, probably about dinner time <clears throat> on that afternoon, uh, uh, she began to be disoriented and uh, couldn't answer basic questions and uh, became uh, not herself, uh, not her personality. And in calling the uh, triage nurse, we were uh, recommended we take her to the emergency room at Greenville Memorial, which we did. And we arrived uh, at Greenville Memorial around uh, probably 7 o'clock about that time and uh, were checked in and uh, seen by emergency room uh, physician. And given the symptoms that she was showing at that time, and um, they suspected uh, bacterial meningitis, and so they isolated Callie and us in an isolation room and uh, began the process in the emergency room of trying to determine uh, what was going on. So that was early on the evening of June the 11th, I believe it was that Tuesday. 
And uh, little did we know that uh, 56 days later, uh, we were still going to be in the hospital. And uh, so uh, that night was a a long night as they tested for, goodness, everything they could test for in the emergency room. And then about uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, they transferred us to a uh, to an isolation to a um, room in the cardiac care unit, uh, and that was the only room that was available at the time. Mm-hmm. And we got up there. Callie got up there about four o'clock in the morning, and um, at that time she had begun to uh, slip into uh, being unresponsive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by about eight o'clock that morning, um, we left to go home to uh, try to prepare for the day, and came back. And about 10, and they had moved her to the intensive care unit at Greenville Memorial. And uh, she had, at that time, was had become unresponsive. And that began the journey yeah. uh, that day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know, Callie, can you remember any any of that going on? And, and um, you know, I, I know, as Coach said, you, you were not feeling well for a while. And then when did you start to maybe notice that, you know, things weren't right? I... I have 15 days that I don't remember. Mm. Um, I had gone with my boyfriend up to Indiana for his younger brother's high school graduation. We came home on the 10th, and I I know what happened that day, but I I don't remember coming home. Um, I woke up at least a little bit cognizant on the 25th. My eyes had been open for about a week before then, but I don't remember any of that. Um, So I remember waking up and all I remembered was that I had had strep. Mm. So I thought, this must be the worst strep that anyone has ever gotten (laughs) for me to be in this hospital. Um, And then they did tell me, and this this was true, that over the days that I became more cognizant, I thought I remembered being in the hospital and none of my memories were correct. They had Mm. moved me out of one ICU room into what they call um, a delirium ICU because mm. I had started to show signs of delirium. And so this room had lots of windows for me to tell night from day, kind of see people better as they came in. And this was the only, this is the only room that I remember mm. of the ICU. And it was in that room that they kind of started to explain to me what had happened. And I, I really didn't understand it still for a long time. I yeah. didn't understand that I couldn't walk. Yeah. Um, I just remember them trying to explain it to me, and I, and I just nodded and went along with it. But I really wasn't cognizant, probably for a few more weeks fully. Yeah, yeah. Now, Coach, I know you had talked to us about, um, you know, some of those early days. The 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 disappointing thing was they didn't know what was going on, right. and, and so when she lost consciousness, just talk about some of those early days of. You know, the doctor's just basically saying, look, we have no idea what's going on. We have some ideas, but nothing, nothing concrete. <clears throat> on that um, on that first evening of June the 11th, um, the first thing that they were going to determine is what uh, if she had bacterial meningitis, which was was a huge uh, answer to find. And so they um, did a spinal tap <clears throat> and tested her, the spinal fluid among other things, and uh, gave us a preliminary uh, determination late that night uh, and earlier the next morning that it was not bacterial, but they they thought it was more uh, uh, viral, uh, which it turned out to be. So uh, going, leaving the emergency room and going to the cardiac care unit, of course, in the cardiac care unit, they were still running a lot of tests and, 
and she was getting one-on-one care from the nursing staff and the doctors. And when we moved to uh, the ICU that later that morning, um, they still did, really didn't have an answer other than they, they were pretty sure it was not bacterial. And that's the only answer that we had, mm. which, which, was a very, which was a good answer. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so later that morning, uh, on that Wednesday morning, um, they had begun to, to they, had done, they had done MRIs, obviously. And uh, they had they had done the, the spinal work, and they were testing for viruses, and uh, trying to determine what the cause was. And they could not uh, find the answer. Uh, the only thing that they could tell us uh, in the original uh, viewing of the MRI uh, was multiple brain lesions. And uh, at that point in time, on that Wednesday morning, they had not uh, really uh, gone into the spine to see what was going on. And which later, obviously, they did. Uh, so the only thing that they said to us on that win- on that morning, uh, when they showed us the MRIs, uh, was that this was a the the, the uh, neurologist uh, said to us, uh, "This looks like a brain that is not going to wake up." Hmm. And uh, of course, that was a <laughs> kind of a shocking thing to hear, hmm. uh, having only been in the ho- had been there probably less than twenty hours, hmm. and. Uh, so during that, that week from Wednesday uh, on uh, through uh, until Sunday morning, uh, every, when the doctors were coming in, the infectious disease doctors and the neurologists and the general hospital doctors were coming in and, and with their teams, uh, you know, they were sharing with us what they were trying. Uh, we know that during that process, they tested for almost, uh, they told us for over 1,500 viruses wow. and uh, contacted uh, you know different medical institutions and colleagues and no one had an answer there was no um there was no written protocol or procedure for the treatments and uh, so our first our first specific um, prayer request was that god would give give them wisdom to determine and Um, on that Sunday morning, uh, uh, it, it's kind of ironic what, what was happening. Uh, when they would come in uh, during the week, it would be very um, <laughs> depressing mm-hmm. from the doctor's standpoint because they were still searching and they didn't have any answers, and that frustrated them, obviously. And, but on that Sunday morning, they came in, there was a different spirit uh, uh, among them because they had found uh, what the problem was. Yeah. And uh, looking back over the process, it was really kind of humorous in a way. Uh, maybe not at the exact moment was it humorous. Uh, but on that uh, Tuesday night in an emergency room, two of the emergency room doctors who had spent a little, great deal of time with Callie theorized as to what the problem was. <clears throat> and one, one said to the other, I think this is what it is. And the other one said, no, I don't think that's what it is. There's too much going on. There's too much of this and too much of this. That. And so they just dismissed the idea. Well, on that Sunday morning when they came in to tell us they had discovered the problem, it was exactly what the one emergency room doctor had theorized that it was. So we spent those first four and a half days or whatever it was searching, and there it was the whole time, and, and they found it. Uh, and, and so that began the process of treatment and giving us at least a hope of a, a process of time. Uh, so that was a very – Wednesday had been a very difficult day, and uh, Sunday morning was a very 
good day. Yeah, and, and talk about the because you had talked to us about the kind of the maybe the 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 perfect storm that it was in terms of all of these different things hitting her at once, and maybe yeah, Mrs. Parker, maybe you can kind of fill us in on what was the official diagnosis, the things that were going on. I think they um, ultimately came to the conclusion that she did have um, mono um, viral meningitis and encephalitis. Hmm. And then uh, she also um, got Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is an autoimmune um, disease. And this was all the perfect storm, as you mentioned, yeah. came together because all of these things happened. This is uh, resulted in the lesions in her brain and the lesions in her spine particularly caused the paralysis that she was experiencing. Um, she did have trouble early, very early on, even with some movement of her arms and her hands, but that she regained that very quickly. And then, but the, um, from the waist down, she mm -hmm. was not able to walk, um, move her legs, move her feet, uh, any, anything of, um, that nature for quite some time. Um, they did give her some, uh, in addition to multiple medications they, that they gave her, they also gave her um, immunoglobulin mm -hmm. through IV mm -hmm. uh, to assist with getting her, you know, ability to regain the use of her legs. Yeah. So in one <coughs> sense, you know, you, you, are, are trying to figure out what's going on, but how, what was that moment like when there had to have been some sense of, of hope in that, okay, we've found what it is, now we know how to attack it, or at least know what we need to attack? Uh, all I can say really is that um, the doctors, she had multiple. She mm -hmm. had, uh, as was mentioned, she had infectious disease doctors, she had um, neurologists, um, and the general hospital doctor. The general hospital doctor. They were all working together as mm -hmm. a, a, a wonderful team. And I had confidence, really, in what they were able to do from from day one because mm -hmm. I could see the. I think we all could see the the wonderful care that she had, yeah. and every time that they would prescribe a treatment or a medicine or. Um, some kind of a test. It just it gave me hope. They were really mm -hmm. on track with her, I think, yeah. uh, until they really found out what was yeah. the main thing, which, you know, that's the the first thing that they had to do was um, identify it. And mm -hmm. I, I know that's a difficult thing when you sure. really have no clue. And sure. once they did that, um, they took off with her treatment. And we were so I felt that she was in the absolute best care that she could be in yeah. over at yeah. Greenville Memorial. They did a wonderful job with her. So how many days total was she? Because keep in mind, folks that are listening, she's Callie is completely unconscious during this point, and she is unresponsive. They found, you know, what it is that they needed to treat, but she was out for how many days? Um, including um, that Tuesday evening when she slipped into the when she became unresponsive, it was uh, right at nine days. Wow! wow. And um, they they would uh, the doctors particularly the neurologist uh, would come into the room to the IC to her unit and um, try to wake her and uh, she didn't respond she would respond slightly um, if they pinched her on the arm uh, and they, she would just maybe draw back like she felt the pain 
but there was no uh, verbal or uh, you know cognitive you know she was basically asleep is what it appeared to us uh, and then along the way <clears throat> as their, her condition began to deteriorate uh, she uh, lost the feeling in her legs they were they were uh, checking her with probes and uh, it was kind of painful to watch but they were mm -hmm. uh, they would stick her with needles and things and of course there was uh, no response which was uh, for the for the medical staff was uh, very concerning and obviously was concerning for us also. Uh, so there were nine days um, during that time. Uh, we just uh, we were there constantly. Uh, Anna was there uh, almost around the clock. They were kicking us out of the room sometimes, <laughs> telling us to go home and get rest and sleep. And and uh, uh, the doctors were were trying to care for us also at that time. And um, so. Uh, of course, again, our, our first specific prayer request got answered to find the, the cause. And then the second one was that she would uh, she would wake up. Mm. <clears throat> so God's people were praying and uh, we were uh, taken care of, mm. uh, you know, our family and our friends and our church family, uh, the, our friends in, our, in the departments for which we work here on campus. Uh, the general body of believers here in, in Greenville were very uh, kind and gracious and caring for us and supported us uh, with food. Oh, my goodness. Lots and lots of food. <laughs> uh, financially, uh, we were blessed. Uh, so on that ninth day, uh, almost sounds like you know, creation on the ninth day, <laughs> um, she had begun to, because of the treatment, uh, the, the how they were treating her, she had begun to open her eyes just a little but still there was no tracking there was no recognition there was no there was no response uh, to anything so those were we were every day we were looking for little monuments of hope mm -hmm. uh, that's that's what began to happen with with our family and with our friends and on the ninth day which that Thursday um, uh, Anna's sister and her husband had come down from Delaware to visit with us and to be with us and uh, I believe Anna and Ruth were in the room and uh, I don't know exactly their circumstances. I wasn't there at the time, uh, but she uh, woke up and tracked a little bit with her eyes as as you moved. And uh, the the big the big thing about that was the nurse was present and was able to uh, you know to to note that, which was which was huge for the doctors. And so uh, on that evening before we left uh, to go home, uh, she was she had awakened and and. Um, was I think cognizant of what was going on a little bit. She responded to us, uh, to to uh, Anna and to me, and to her aunt and uncle, and that was a really huge uh, a victory, obviously. Uh, so that was on that Thursday evening. So it was about nine days, uh, give or take, uh, when she was unresponsive. And of course, then the following morning, on that Friday morning, when the lead neurologist came in, he was a very happy person. Uh, in fact, we have a picture of them sitting, and he was doing all the talking, but uh, sitting with Callie at the bedside and and uh, just really uh, engaged with her, and she's watching him uh, and, and trying to uh, respond as best she can. Mm -hmm. And uh, that morning, uh, totally out of nowhere, very surprising, he turned and said to his staff, uh, let's put her in a chair. And I thought I misheard what he said, and and we looked at each other, and he said, "No, no, we need to we need to put her in." It. So they uh, lifted her with the uh, with the medical lift and put her in the recliner. Of course, she didn't have the strength to sit up, so she was 
pretty much wedged in with pillows and things like that, but she was she managed to uh, sit for just a short period of time. And uh, then they began, to, uh, the occupational therapists came in and they began to work on uh, strengthening her upper body and her core and her neck where she could hold her head up. And that was the beginning of the journey uh, where we are now yeah. uh, and all the things that she has been through. But uh, that Thursday night was a very special, very Absolutely. special night. Absolutely. Yeah. Callie, what do you remember about that that night? I, I know you mentioned that your memory was kind of scattered mm-hmm. at that point, but what, what, do you, what is the first thing that you remember waking up to? I remember waking up on the 25th. Um, it was, I, I remember the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I, I did for some reason think that I was on campus. Um, I That's how much Bob Jones is ingrained <laughs> into you. Right I, I really thought that in, I didn't know how, I thought I'd been in the hospital for five hours. Mm, wow. Um, but I thought, I don't know how in that time they managed to build this hospital, but this place is so nice. Maybe you're in barge or something mm-hmm, like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I just, the neurologist came in and he looked a little surprised that I I didn't know who he was but I you know kind of looked at him and he moved his fingers back and forth and I was able to kind of track a little bit and he really tried to explain to me what had happened and I I didn't understand a word that he was saying but I I knew that I hadn't just had strep I knew I I had actually been sick Um, and then the nurses came in and noticed that I you know was able to you know talk a little bit um, I asked for my phone, which was not there, so they gave me my computer, and I had, man, probably a hundred text mm. messages that I'd wow. been sent during the the weeks before I woke up, and I tried to go through and answer them, and the people that I texted still have those messages because mm. they don't make any sense. <laughs> In my mind, yeah. it, they made complete. They sense. made perfect <laughs> sense to me, um, and then they they'll send me a screenshot, and I just. And, you know, they they were happy to get it because that meant I was at least awake. Um, And then just over over the next couple weeks, I started to learn Mm -hmm. what I could not do. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I didn't remember being very, very sick. So I wasn't, I woke up and everyone told me I'd been sick. And I told the neurologist, I said, man, that sounds awful. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, <laughs> it was awful. And I thought, well, I, I, I don't remember it. I only know what you guys are telling me. Sure. So, you know, I just would go to bed at night and wake up in the morning and I was still in the hospital. And it, I really didn't think anything of it yeah. because I, you know, I didn't know what had happened. Yeah. Absolutely. So we are going to, what we're going to do is, uh, for those of you listeners, we're going to actually, this is a two-part episode that we're going to be doing. So we've gotten to the point of Callie's story where diagnosis, she went unresponsive and is now waking up. But one final question just for this episode, and then we'll we'll pick up in next week's episode, uh, you know, from there, from wake up to recovery to where we are today, present day. Um, But one question, I I guess, maybe for for Mrs. Parker and and for you, Callie, um, and kind of a same question that you both can answer but what is what is the the one thing that as you you know get the 30,000 foot view now looking back on the whole ordeal what's the biggest thing that you have learned um, either about the Lord or about the community of believers or whatever it may be um, through this experience 
It's a good question. I think the biggest thing that I have learned, and I, I wrote a little bit about this um, for my column for the Collegian a few weeks ago, I do not need to be given an explanation for this. God does not owe me an explanation. He does not owe me my life, but he let me keep it. Mm. So when people would ask me, you know, I'm sure, you know, are, are you asking yourself why this happened? I'm sure you must be. And I said, well, I think that's a waste of time mm. because maybe God will give me an answer, but maybe he won't. And if I, you know, spend my time really, really just wishing that there was an explanation, then I'm wasting time I could be using getting better. Mm. He has already given me everything that I need to get better, and one of those things is not an answer. Mm. From, you know, the moment that I was a thought in God's mind, I was going to end up in the hospital in 2019. Mm. That's just how it was. And I, I don't need an answer for that. Mm. And to really require one of God is to doubt that his character is only good and that he only does good things for me. Hmm. Because if I, you know, I I kind of had to just look inward at myself one day in the hospital and said, if I don't ever get a Callie here is why this happened to you, I can fall back on the fact that God only does things for me that will make me better if I decide. And I had to decide. Hmm. If I had, you know, decided that this was, you know, some terrible action that I did not deserve, I would still be sick. Hmm. But I just had to make the decision. And it wasn't easy. And I had days that I really, I, I wanted an answer. Hmm. And, you know, and I that made me feel kind of ashamed a little bit sometimes. But then I thought that's what I God knows that that is my character, but it is not his. Mm. And so I just had to say, you know, Lord, if you never explain this to me, that's okay. Mm. Because I know that all that you do for me is good. Mm. Mom and dad, how about you? Um, One of the things that really stood out to me, and this is actually a comment that Callie made when she was giving her testimony to the girls' soccer team, and that is that she said to them, that God was not doing this to her, but he was doing this with her. Hmm. And so every step of the way uh, that she experienced this illness, and we went through this uh, in a different way as parents, he was doing something with us because he writes every one of our stories and he writes the tapestry of our life. And so everything that happens to us from the most insignificant to something as significant as this, God is doing something with us, and there is a reason, and as she said, we may not know it here, um, but we will know it in heaven, the reason. And we're already seeing so many things come from this. Um, She's been asked to give her testimony, and she's told people about her story, and um, the influence that she had on the doctors and nurses in the hospital is something miraculous, even... Um, in and of itself. We had a group of doctors that came to visit her one day and they gave us an update. They stepped out into the hallway and a few minutes later one of the doctors um, put her head back in the room and she said could we speak to Mr. and Mrs. Parker privately. Well that really sent uh, you know some fear through me because I Mm -hmm. thought what what do they need to tell us that they could not tell us here in the room. 
And so we stepped out into the hallway, and their question to us was, is Callie always this positive and this mm. joyful? And um, they, they had never seen anything like it, wow. and they wanted to know if this was really her, and because she even then wasn't, didn't have the use of her legs. Mm. She had no ability to move from the waist down, and yet her attitude with them, with the nurses, with the technicians, everybody that came into the room, she was always joyful and a positive testimony, and they had mm. never quite seen anything like that. Wow. And so we do see that the hand of God was working through this uh, to to everyone that really came in contact with her. And um, that is a, a wonderful thing as a parent to be able to say. And yeah. because of her age at 19, hmm. going through something this serious, and yet she did have her trust in the Lord. And it was it was something we're very grateful for and, and that was noticed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> As I said, it's an amazing story, folks. For those of you that are listening, we'll pick up with part two in next week's episode. But don't forget, you can catch up on previous episodes of the what Bruin, What's Bruin podcast at BJUBruins.com. That's going to do it for this week's episode. I'm Johnny Gamut, and that's What's Bruin. You've been listening to the What's Bruin podcast. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform provider or catch up on previous episodes at bjubruins.com slash podcast. What's Bruin is brought to you by Ronald Blue Trust. Wisdom for wealth, for life.